This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Amira Ayoub is a visionary leader known for her disruptive and inspiring ideas, passionate about changing the world and creating a regenerative future for future generations and raising awareness about global climate change issues through connecting people to nature, education and designing pilot projects. She is head of MENA programs at World Green Building Council, a sustainable and healthy buildings consultant, an architect and certified with LEED and Wealth faculty. And she joins us today to share her thoughts on what it will take to survive and thrive in the future. Welcome to the program, Amira. Thank you, Anthea, so much. I'm so happy to be here with you today and thank you for the introduction. That's a pleasure. We're really looking forward to talking with you. We know that you're passionate about creating an impact for MENA and encouraging more regenerative ways of thinking. Can you help our listeners understand firstly, what is it you actually mean when you talk about regenerative thinking? Well, regenerative thinking is about adding value. It's about system thinking. It requires deep collaboration with everyone. So it's not only about solving a problem, it's about creating an impact at the same time. And we at World Green Building Council, we are working for everyone everywhere. And when it comes to this equation, it's always hard to find a simple solution. It's not like a very simple answer. It requires a complex way of thinking. That's why regenerative is the way tackling everything at the same time, where we can try to understand what is the real problem and we can see how we can create or how we can transform our challenges to opportunities. Amira, can you talk with us about your region, the MENA region, and some of the unique differences between this area and other regions around the world when it comes to dealing with the impacts of climate change? What are the considerations? Yes, sure. Um, the MENA region is very unique. And when you think about it, it's there is a very rapid urbanization in the region. And when you think also about it, it's warming at nearly twice the global average. And it is very diverse. We have the Gulf area, we have the North Africa. It is very unique. And at the same time, it creates an, a wonderful opportunity for everyone. When everyone from different parts in the MENA region gather together under one roof, you can see the difference in point of view, in context, which creates a very good opportunity for us to learn from each other and to support each other and see how we can solve our issues to try to solve the global climate change in the region. And help us understand if you're talking about your region increasing by double the rate, what does that actually look like? What are some of the challenges that you're presented with there? We have droughts, we have extreme heat uh, waves, and our buildings are not ready to solve this problem. Our buildings are not resilient enough to stand for all of this. So that's why we need to shift the way we think about our buildings, how they are built. Why do you think it takes such an effort to change or challenge the way people think when it comes to climate change? 
it's very challenging because it starts from the awareness at first. Sometimes it's very difficult to convince people to work with you, to solve a problem. They are not aware that it exists. They can see that the temperature is rising up. They can see that there are droughts, but they are not aware of the science behind it. They are not aware that there is something called global climate change. So it is very challenging to change the mindset, to let them first know that there is a problem, to be ready to educate everyone, to understand that we have tools to solve the problems. We have solutions ready in place, but we still don't know how to use it. We don't learn about the tools because we don't care <laughs> about to solve a problem that we are not aware that it exists. So I think that it's very helpful to let people understand first what's going on and from there start educating them and the mindset will definitely change because when you think about it global climate change is not about selecting a solution for something it's about our survival it's about our existence on this planet it's about our children so it is not an issue that is related to our eight to five daily work it's about our everyday life So how do we start to make the changes that are required? This is a question we ask ourselves every every morning. I think we start by doing what we have right now. So instead of waiting everything to be in place, I think what we have right now is enough to start spreading awareness, to start working, to start having pilot projects, working on different case studies, to invite people to come and collaborate together and see how they can move forward. Because Sometimes it's a bit challenging to start to imagine what is going to be next in a problem that is not clear for you. So let people gather together. They will figure this out. And this is what we are working on through our programs at World Green Building Council. We would like to have a platform for everyone to come together and think together about the problems we are having and see how they can work together and how they can move forward advancing net zero, for example, in the region or working on climate resilience or working on health and well-being. Because when they sit together, they start to get out of their bubble, of their daily life, from the things that they have to do to the things they should do for moving forward and solving our problems. So are you talking there about the Net Zero Readiness Framework from World Green Building Council, or are you talking about another program or another way of collaborating? It's about all the programs that we have. This is how we work in the MENA region. We gather with people. The MENA Net Zero Readiness Framework is as, as you said, this is like our flagship program for this year. And we are experimenting everything through this program this year. And we can see how this program is impacting the change. Being net zero is still a very big challenge. Our Asia-Pacific region started to identify the key elements and learn about what is required to be net zero ready. And in MENA region, we would like to see how this is adapted but not through like having something written on our website. It's more of having a dialogue, having a conversation where people start to understand how our region is unique and the potentials that we can utilize to advance net zero in the region. And when people gather, they come up with wonderful ideas. It's a different story. And they start to help each other. Our green building councils, our regional partners, our net zero collaborators and members, everyone is gathered under one roof and they start to understand how they can move forward together. One of our members said that they feel that there is a sense of community 
when we all gather together, the sense of community is what is driving us. And that creates an impact. When you start to create this relationship between people, they start to understand that they need to move forward. We are not competing. We are completing each other. So this is one of the things that I am so proud that we started working on this year. And hopefully our outcome by COP28 will be very uh, would be very unique, inshallah. So talk to me about who would be the ideal members to have in these communities of collaboration? Who is it that you really need to be engaging? When we met at uh, quarter one, it was only our green building councils and the private sector, our members from the corporate companies. But when you think about it, to have a holistic approach, we need everyone to be presented on the table. We need people from the finance, from the data, from the government. Everyone has role and has responsibility. And we have solutions. The solutions are there. But what we really need is to all gather in one place and understand that there are solutions. What is very funny that sometimes when you meet with people from finance, they say they can support projects, but they don't know where to give, who to give their money. They don't know the consultants. And the consultants always say, for example, or the private sector say, we need money, but where is the money? Where is the finance people? So they really need to understand what is everyone is doing and how they can support each other. Uh, and having this conversation or dialogue is always very helpful to let people know about this. And I guess that's sometimes what they refer to as radical collaboration. Exactly. Yes. So you've had one of these workshops already uh, for the MENA region. What were some of the outcomes to come out of that very first collaboration that you had? Our first outcome, it is there, solution is there, but how we can scale up, how we can spread the word and how we can work on advancing net zero, starting from affordable housing to mega projects. So this is how we need to move forward. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward, wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit VinZero.com to find out more. So what do you think it's going to take to survive and thrive in the future? You know, uh, as we say, we have solutions, but in order to survive and thrive, we have to start with an evolving plan, to start with a conversation and work towards having solutions. And that plan should be changed every now and then. It's not like having a fixed plan with a fixed timeline, because this is not how life works. Life is changing. Plan needs to be changed every now and then. And to have always in our timeline and ideas to always have a time where we need to revisit what we came up with. What did we miss? Who is not involved? Who should we consider? So when we move forward, it's not like moving without thinking about, it's not about not being conscious. We need to be conscious about all the things we are working on because, unfortunately, our daily jobs are taking us from being conscious. And in order to be connected to what we really want and to care about our planet, our people, our children, that requires consciousness. 
And sometimes it will change our decisions and it will change our behavior and mindset every now and then. So how we can connect our daily life to the work we are doing every now and then through this, we will thrive and our work will not only be something that we earn money from, it's going to be something that is doing good for ourselves and our people and planet as well. So how do we roll out education that enables climate action to become part of our consciousness in an everyday sense? I think to have this holistic educational system, we need to overcome our challenges in the region that is related to lack of collaboration. Because this is something that you will notice when you work in the region. People do not learn at schools how to work together. There are always conflicts. How to solve our conflicts, how to solve our issues. This is a skill that is required because if I am always not working well with my competitor, with my colleague, this will take me back. So in order to create this, as uh, again, we have the education, we have the science, we have everything, but to scale up, to spread the word, to have everyone learn about the things that we are working on, this requires skills that, uh, as you said, that requires radical collaboration, that requires collaboration skills, conflict solving skills. So I think we need to work on this in the region because I see this at every day that we have an amazing opportunity in this area, for example, but what is taking us apart from it, what is preventing us from like moving forward is conflicts, conflicts with people. People have conflicts and they need to see how they can work on this. Once they can see the potential of working together, creating a win-win situation, we will move forward and faster. How do we help them see that potential? If what's required is collaboration and if part of the roadblock is that people don't talk and they don't connect and they feel like they're competing, what's required to fix that? Is it education? Is it running awareness campaigns? Or is it just putting people in a room and forcing that collaboration? I think it starts from school. When you think about it, they should learn that from school when they are young. We should have like workshop sessions. We need to spread the word about the the very positive outcome of this collaboration and how we will all benefit from it. We will all win. So I think changing the mindset requires us to spread the word, having, as you said, campaigns, having workshops, gathering everyone around the same table. I think this will help people to understand the opportunity in collaboration. So what does a functional built environment of the future look like for you? Well, a functional built environment is a built environment that is working in harmony with the people that is living in it, that is connecting them to nature, not taking them away. It's not a shelter from nature. It is part of nature. So how our built environment is connecting us to nature, how our built environment is connecting us to each other, to our services, how the built environment is creating a community, a spaces for people to learn about everything, to learn from each other, to learn from nature, to learn from everything. And built environment has a major role in this. It can impact everything. It impacts our health and well-being. It impacts our perspective to life. Because when you think about it, we spend more than 90% of our time indoors. So how is that 90% of our life? This is too much. So how we can create 
with indoor air quality, how we can work on creating outside view that is inspire people to work better, to concentrate better, how we can have outdoor spaces that help people feel that they can connect with each other and learn from each other and create spaces for children to grow and understand more about their place and about their culture and about their people. So I think our built environment has a vital role. And unfortunately, what is happening or what's going on that most of the people think in the region that it's a mass production. We are building in the sake of building. <laughs> we, have to have, we have to live in buildings. But we need to change our mindset to think about it from the perspective that it can add value to the way we see life. So Amira, as a previous Living Future Ambassador at the International Living Future Institute for several years, you were recognised as a Living Future Hero. As we end our conversation today, can I ask you, when you think future, what is it that excites you the most for the built environment ahead? Well, for me personally, the word future is always exciting because I'm an optimistic person and I always see the future as a good place somewhere where we can see all our problems are solved. I know that this is like a bit ambitious, but this is how I like to envision the future. And for the built environment, I can see how we work together and solve the emissions issue that we are contributing to around 40% of the global emissions, how we reduce our emissions, how our built environment impacted our health and well-being, and how it respected and used efficiently our resources. So I can see it as a good dream that I would like to be at. So that's why I'm always excited about the future. It's like, let's get out of our daily life problems. Let's think about the ideal. Let's think what is best. And when you start to always look for what is best, this will always drive you faster and forward. This will always inspire you because you will get detached from all the issues or all the minor problem that is taking you apart from solving the problem you're having or from taking you away from moving forward, you will always look for a brighter image. So that's why the word future is always exciting for me. Well, Amira, I'm certainly sure that the MENA region is very lucky to have you on board as a thought leader driving the future vision for the region. And we thank you very much for joining us on our Think Future podcast. Thank you, Anthea, so much. And I'm so happy for being here. And thank you again. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our Vinzero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.